we should start a podcast. Yeah, we've all said it. But when it comes time to make it a reality, we get stuck. Well, here's some good news. With Spreaker, all you need to start a podcast is a microphone and a good idea. Spreaker handles the recording, management, distribution, and monetization of your podcast, allowing you to focus on making a podcast. Whether you're discussing the latest moves in the tech sector or just your dating life, Spreaker gives you tools to make your podcast a hit and professional insights about who is listening and where. And as your podcast dream grows, Spreaker only becomes more useful, letting you upload and schedule multiple episodes at the same time, push to multiple platforms, and customize RSS feeds. But what about making money? With Spreaker, monetization is as easy as checking a few boxes. So next time someone says to you, we should start a podcast, say yes and let Spreaker handle the rest. Learn more and get 30% off at Spreaker.com slash get started. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R dot com slash get started. Welcome. Welcome to the porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, examining the Word of God, following the example of the Book of Acts Church, digging deeper into Scripture, and discovering the church that the Lord intended, and not the one that man created. The porch has been committed to restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining the world-shaking influence the early church had, If ever we needed that influence, it's now. The church age is still in effect. The fire still falls. In our opinion, the day of Pentecost is ongoing. The porch was created as an outreach of Solomon's Porch, Inc., a Florida non-for-profit. Since January of 2000, on solomonsporch.org is its website. If you have any questions, you can visit us there and use the contact button, or you can go to firefalltalkradio.com. Contact us that way. There's ways to support us at the bottom of the main page. We appreciate each and every one of you that do support us. Give as the Lord leads. Welcome to all of our listeners, both here on Spreaker. If you have the Spreaker app, make sure you have it. That way you'll know when another show or podcast or interview or whatever is posted. We're on Facebook and Twitter. And thank you. Welcome to you, and welcome to Apple Podcast listeners, Spotify, iHeartRadio. There was a new Overwatch posted this week, so make sure you stay subscribed. We've been staying on top of the coronavirus outbreak with the update, digging deeper into the information, giving you an aerial point of view from above on what's really going on. That's the purpose, to keep you updated In the weeks ahead, we're going to slip in some other stuff because this coverage on uh, the coronavirus, COVID-19, will probably go on for another couple of months. My personal prayerful opinion is by June, we will be on to another story in this world of ours. But in regards to COVID-19, the World Health Organization has declared it a a pandemic. And in Italy, 200 dead in 24 hours. 
Two listeners to the porch are near-infected people. Um, we're going to start out by just asking for you to keep them in your prayers. One is Greg, our um, SRT cameraman and brother in the Lord on Long Island, and Chris, who came to one of our first uh, conferences, the Sea Conference, in Groton, Connecticut. She and her husband are in Hawaii. She just discovered she has somebody in her neighborhood that has the virus. So please keep them in your prayers. Starting out, praise the Lord. Well, I praise him for my home, of course, my wife, my family, and we gave all that back to me, my sons, and then got daughters-in-laws, and then I got a grandson, and we've had furry kids, and we have two right now, and I praise him for that. I praise him for everything we have, for his protection over us. Folks, yeah. It's scary. And I give you the facts and I tell you what I believe I know from all the research. But we are protected. We have his Psalm 91 covering. It doesn't mean we can be foolish and test the Lord our God, but that means we shouldn't be afraid, but we should prepare. And that's what I believe everyone is doing. I praise him for this ministry that he allows me to work for him, for the dreams and the visions and everything he's been giving us. He's been very, very active in that regard lately. Some great things on the horizon. I believe breakthrough blessings are coming because there's going to be a breakthrough need for those blessings. The enemy is just as active. I praise him for our healing virtues that he the healing virtues that he still gives to us. If anybody needs a healing right now of anything, heart, mind, body, soul, or spirit. Father, in the name of Yeshua, the name above all names, in accordance with your word, in accordance with your will and your heart, I speak healing upon to them deep into the inner parts of their body, their mind, their soul, and their spirit. And we just all touch and agree in Jesus' name. Amen. I praise him for the favor. He's given us favor. We are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. We are the lender and not the borrower. And that's my prayer for each and every one of you, that we get out of debt, get out of the world system, get free of Egypt, and become a positive driving force in this world. We're new creations. We're living in prophetic times, and we can praise him for everything. We won't be outpraised by the rocks or anything else. Praise him for America. I praise him for the signs that he's getting ready to return. I sincerely believe that that midnight cry is not too far off. So get ready. Continue to pray for the Middle East, which is lost in all of the news about COVID-19 is what's going on in the skirmishing between Turkey and Syria and Russia has um, taken some really dramatic turns. And at any moment, that could pop off. So pay attention to the Middle East. We pray for Israel and the peace of Jerusalem, which means in accordance with Psalm 122, verse 6. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Pray for the fatherless, the widows, the innocents, the victims of injustice, and the slaughter of the innocents, both human and animal. It's gotten to a point that anybody who does not believe in the fallen and does not believe in Hasatan, Satan, the adversary, you're just not paying attention. We pray for missing and exploited children, the victims of sex trafficking and that vile, diabolical, demonic industry. We pray for our brothers and sisters around the world being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith in Yeshua. 
You know, religious persecution, anti-Semitism, it's in the news every day. The spirit of the Antichrist from 1 John 4, 3, which we've heard is coming, is already in the world, and it's growing. It's getting ready. It's feeding and preparing for its coming out party. Hopefully, not hopefully, we will. In doing what we do with the porch and SRT and Firefall, we're going to interfere with that coming out party. We're going to mess it up. We're going to pop some balloons. Continue to pray for my wife Deb's healing in her shoulder and all the things that happened from the fall she took five years ago. Believing for renewal and for God to do something special. That each and every one would prosper in accordance with his word. The kingdom needs you. The kingdom needs us. And to do that, we've got to share. We've got to bless one another. This ministry, this um, everything that we do with SRT, Firefall, everything, every vision, every dream, everything we pray for every day, we need provisions. If you know somebody that can, speak to them. Share these podcasts with them. Let's get the word out. We're going to be highly mobile in the world, and we're going to be highly mobile on social media as well. Continue to pray for divine favor in the conclusion of legal matters and adversities. Our family has been going through us, my oldest son and his wife, and even my youngest son's got his own. Just the enemy uses the world systems to harass us, and we say no more in Jesus' name. You give us what is ours sevenfold. You return what you've stolen in Jesus' name. Kim in Fort Mitchell, we missed you last week, Kim. says, hope you guys are doing fantastic. Glad you didn't say y'all. I'm well over here. I had to make some adjustments in my daily prayer life, and I feel much better inside since I did. The enemy is constantly trying to corrupt God's plan. Therefore, I can't afford to expect results by throwing in a two-minute prayer at night before going to sleep. I'm grateful I learned this lesson and for God's unconditional love and forgiveness. I praise him for my salvation, keeping me sober today. I praise him for my children, friends, and loved ones. Thank you, Father, for your protection and all that you provide for us. She says something here that I know many of you struggle with. She said, forgiveness is something I'm struggling with lately. It's a person I didn't see in a long time that I thought I'd forgiven. But when I saw her, what I felt was not love and forgiveness. Father, teach me why I'm taking back what I had already given to you. Please protect my children, my mother, my husband, the porch families from the diseases out there. She says, I'm not afraid of the coronavirus. By the way, I serve a God who spoke everything into existence. I serve a God who delivered me from addiction and alcoholism. Father, I'm praying for victims of human trafficking and animal abuse and neglect. Teach my children who you are. Draw them near to you. Protect my dog, Bruno. Father, forgive us our shortcomings. Bless us and favor us in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord. Here we are once again. For me, it was just like an hour ago, but here we are as a community, as a family, telling you how much we love you, how much we need you, how much we worship you and adore you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for everything that you've done for us and everything that you are doing for the cross, for the empty tomb, for the upper room, for the fire that still falls, that burns inside of us, for the promises that you've given us, for the blessings that we've had and will have. We thank you that the enemy has no power over us, 
that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to us by you. So right now, we touch and agree. We come together in one voice, in one heart, in one family, covering each other in prayer and believing for victory in Jesus' name. We thank you for clearing our hearts and our minds, preparing us to receive. Thank you for divine revelation. And we thank you, thank you, thank you that we're going to see you soon, face to face, at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And boy, are we going to have fun. So, Lord, we just pray right now. We thank you and we praise you. We give you all the glory in Yeshua's name. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. Oh, I forgot to say, Happy Purim 2020. When you read about Purim, remember that Queen Esther was a part of a remnant. She would fit into this lesson very well. Matter of fact, I thought that was what I was going to do, but the Lord had other plans. If you'd like to listen to a teaching on Purim, go to Perpetual Purim, which was broadcast on February 28, 2018. It should be there in the archives. So I got to ask you a question. Are you remnant ready? No, I'm serious. Are you remnant ready? Are you ready to do what the remnant was called to do? Well, last week we talked about something that I thought was pretty important. That to be remnant ready, you got to understand this is personal. Personal for you and definitely personal for him. See, his interaction was with people was always personal and intimate, unless, of course, you were a Pharisee or a Sadducee, and um, you got rebuked and corrected because of the damage being done to his children. But the one thing that the enemy has done to disrupt what the Lord intended was to get people to get involved in religion, cold, external religion. See, what he was teaching and what he was sharing and what he was trying to get us to see is that the relationship between us and the Father, between us and Him, through the Holy Spirit, that relationship is warm. It's internal. It's intimate. And the Holy Spirit is the agent of that. He is the one that accomplishes that. He's the agent of faith. He's the agent of change. Matter of fact, He empowers our belief. And when you go and look at Galatians 5, 22, through 23 and tells us the fruit of the Spirit, what you see is intimacy and internal. Um, Let me go through it and I'll point it out. The fruit of the Spirit, the work which His presence within us accomplishes is love, joy, peace, 
patience, which is a even-tempered forbearance. It's kindness. It's goodness, which is benevolence. It's faithfulness. It's gentleness, which is meekness and humility. It's self-control, which is self-restraint. Against such things, there is no law that can bring change. The law doesn't do any of those things. Law was meant to be rigid and to correct a people that did not have the Holy Spirit to help them do this, to do this walk, to live this life. But when you look at the fruit of the Holy Spirit, what you see is intimacy, not just with him, but with each other and even with the world. Because for fruit to grow, it needs light. Ephesians 5, 8 through 9, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Look how he ties the fruit of the Spirit with walking in the light of the Lord. We talked about the ten virgins, five wise, five foolish. The they, five had their wicks trimmed to burn properly, and they had the oil to go with it. Philippians 2, starting verse 15, that you may show yourselves to be blameless and guileless, innocent and uncontaminated, children of God without blemish, faultless, unrebukable, in the midst of a crooked and wicked generation, spiritually perverted and perverse, among whom you are seen as bright lights stars or beacons shining out clearly in the dark world. See, to draw people to you with the light of the Lord means you have to care about them. Oops. There we go. That just got tough. You have to care about them. There's got to be a feeling inside of you. You have to remember what you were like before you got saved. And you have to remember why you're doing what you're doing for him. And therein is the struggle. And sometimes he may have to keep you hidden in the school of the Spirit for you either to get it or regain it. Been there, done that, have the shirt to prove it. Revelations chapter 2, 1 through 7. This is about the loveless church. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things, says he, who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars, whom... And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen and repent. Do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstands from its place unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. 
To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Ephesus, a a growing, exploding, signs and wonders church, is now being rebuked by the Lord for being an unloving, orthodox church. We see it in Acts 19 and 20. This is a a popular place. And according to tradition, beside the fact that Paul helped start it and teach it there, it was the residence of the Apostle John before and after his imprisonment on Patmos. That spiritual vitality which they once had when they came out of the occult, when they came out of sin, and when they came out of darkness, that powerful relationship love had degenerated into orthodox religious routine. And when he says, I will come to you, it's present tense. He's not talking about the second coming, but to a present tense, I'm coming to remove your lampstand if you don't do this. I'm coming to make you without light. See, their lamp would be without oil and fire. Actually, it would be worthless. It would be a church in name only. It wouldn't really be one because he wouldn't be in it. Oh, my goodness, how many of those do we have today? And when he says to he, to him who overcomes, that, that term overcomes in the Greek is military terminology. Isn't that interesting? To he who overcomes, suggesting that the combat against the forces of the evil one. Which takes us to what? A scripture we talked about in the last couple of weeks, Ephesians six ten through 18. Now, as I read the whole armor of God, don't think warfare. Don't think demons. Don't think fallen angels. Think about wearing this armor to save your loved ones. Think about wearing this armor to rescue the lost and dying. Think about wearing this armor to chase down the the wolf or the lion that's got the baby lamb in its mouth into the woods. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And here we go. Here's the kicker. This is what ties it all together. Verse 18 of Ephesians 6 is the intention of everything that came before it. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. 
oh yeah, warfare is about you, warfare is about your family, warfare is about those things. But in actuality, we should be in this together. Larry and I pray almost every day, and um, we prayed for that today. And what we prayed for is committed intercessors, people that would cover us, cover SRT in what we do, not people that would do drive-by shotgun prayers into the heavenlies hoping they hit something, but people that would commit to pray. We've asked them to wake up people, speak to people that don't know who we are, to wake them up, maybe send them to a, a, a podcast or a show or online uh, website, whatever, whatever it would take so that while we're doing what we're doing, we know we and our family are being covered. Now, as believers, we are already overcomers. We are overcomers through him who loved us. But those that remain faithful in the midst of persecution and doctrinal error give proof to their faith. That's the primary emphasis of Revelation. The tree of life is the spiritual sustenance to maintain eternal life. Paradise, which is the Persian word for the garden. And by the way, that's where I think we go before um, the millennial reign. We're in paradise with him, which is where he said to the thief on the cross, Today you will be with me in paradise. Well, if that's where he is, and that's where he took the thief on the cross, I want to be there. Which was, you know, the symbolism suggests the perfect relationship with the Father and with God that that mankind enjoyed before Eden, before the fall, and before Hasatan and the fallen did. You've got to remember that the fall isn't just the garden fall. The culmination of the fall took place in Genesis 6, which caused the flood. I found this on a website written, oh, 30 years ago by Ray Stedman, uh, Authentic Christianity, and he talked about this section of Scripture. And he says, despite all the commendable things, there's something seriously wrong. And our Lord puts it in one brief phrase, you have abandoned your first love. That is the problem. So serious is it that he says, if you don't correct it, I will remove your lampstands. This indicates it's a very serious matter. The removal of the lampstand does not mean that the individual members of the church would be lost or condemned to hell. What it means? The church would lose its ability to shed the light of truth. The light from this church would stop shining. They would become a church with no influence influence or impact spiritually upon the community around them. They would be busy doing religious, but entirely irrelevant things. They would still be working, still be orthodox, but inconsequential, with no light, with no impact. Sadly, he wrote this in 1986, sadly we have to say that there are thousands of churches like this in our country today. There are churches where congregations are still meeting year after year, Sunday after Sunday, doing religious things, singing hymns, reciting the Apostles' Creed, perhaps doing some good works in the neighborhood, but having no spiritual impact, seeing no change in people's lives, no releasing them from their sins, no changes in the moral outlooks of a whole community. Their light has failed. What causes that condition? Our Lord says it's because they left their first love. They abandoned it.
And I would add, they abandoned him. And we're talking about Ephesus now. Ephesus was a warfare church. People who understood the supernatural and the demonic. But you know what? Warfare has no true purpose when the heart gets hardened. When you forget why you're doing what you're doing in any warfare, natural or spiritual, you become cold-hearted. It becomes about the fight. It becomes about the enemy. The people stop mattering. Mindsets become rigid. The church at Ephesus forgot why they were doing what they were doing. It was action without intent. It was loveless. They forgot his love for them. They forgot it was personal to him. Well, it's personal, folks. And I see in most of the people that I counsel or offer counsel to, there's a difference, that the problems come down to relationship. They don't have an intimate, abiding relationship with the Lord. It's personal in our relationship with him for his kingdom. Remember, I, I read this scripture a lot, and I think it's one of the most dangerous warnings in the New Testament. Matthew seven twenty one through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, driven out demons in your name, done mighty works in your name? And then I will say to them openly, very publicly, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who act wickedly, disregarding my command. Practice lawlessness, which is sin. They didn't. They were doing something. They were acting. They were external, but it wasn't intimate. It wasn't internal. They forgot why they were doing what they were doing, and they will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So, how do you find your way back? Well, it's in that section of Revelation chapter two. Remember, repent, return. Remember, he says, remember the height from which you have fallen. Well, look back. Remember where you were. Look at where you are now and move away from where you are now. Get back to where you were. Remember where you came from. Remember what it was like when you first came to Yeshua, when you first got saved. Remember remember how he found you in the joy of your salvation. That feeling when the chains come off and the demons are gone and, and you're free and you finally feel free. Free at last, free at last. Praise God Almighty, I'm free at last. That feeling, that excitement, that lightness in your step. Remember the personal intimacy that you felt with him and him with you. Remember the inner support of his presence through the Holy Spirit with you in times of pressure and trouble, when you just knew that he was there, when you could feel him wrap his arms around you, would lay a hand on your shoulder, and you suddenly knew it was going to be okay. Remember how eager you were to pray, and how the world got in your way and interrupted with that. I mean, this is, this is a relationship. 
Remember the enjoyment you had around being other believers who were like you. The joy in the reading of the Word and the new revelation that came from it. And and hearing it from people who knew his heart. Look back. Think back. Remember the height from which you have fallen. And then repent. Repent means... To change your mind and change your direction. Change your mind about what has taken place, what has taken the place of Yeshua in your life. I see most people get into the most trouble when most of their time has nothing to do with him. They're caught up in the world. They're caught up in paying bills. They're caught up in the family. They're caught up in the cares of this world and has squeezed him out. Put the Lord back in the center. Focus all of your endeavors on him. Repent. Change your mind. And then return. You see, because if you don't, you're going to go through a period that's called midnight. The dark night of the soul. Remember in Matthew 25, 6, at midnight a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Mark thirteen thirty five from the, the end of one of the parables. Watch, therefore, for you don't know when the master of the house is coming in the evening at midnight at the crowing of the rooster in the morning. What does midnight mean in the Bible? Well, midnight is the darkest hour before the day. As you hit midnight, everything on the other side of midnight is heading towards sunlight. But it's dark. It's the turning point of one season to another. Midnight is a time of testing, it, it being the darkest hour of a person's life, and it will reveal your mindset. You find out a lot about yourself when you're in the dark night of the soul. You find out a lot about what you really believe when you're going through that time. Now, it doesn't mean you make it a place of pity and condemnation. What you do is you take it of a place of revelation so that you can change. See, the other reason, the other thing about midnight is judgment biblically has always come at midnight. We know that uh, the Lord struck the firstborn of, of Egypt at midnight. All of the firstborn, from Pharaoh all the way down to the livestock. Midnight's a dangerous time. The enemy likes midnight. He likes the darkness. He knows people make mistakes at midnight. I got news for the enemy. Midnight is also a time of blessing and supernatural relief. That bridegroom's coming back at midnight. But if you're asleep and you're not aware and you've allowed uh, gorging on the word and the wine of the word and the spirit like the disciples in the garden and you fall asleep and can't keep your eyes open, you'll be awakened. You'll be shocked into reality when the enemy comes, just like they came for Yeshua. But it, I, I've got a message for you 
if you're going through your midnight, God promise, his promise is to give his joy immediately in the morning. Midnight will always come with his instructions, and they must be obeyed. Right now, if you have disobeyed God, if you've not followed his instructions, if he's told you to do something and you haven't done it, repent. Repent right now. Tell him that you're sorry and ask him to fix your mess. To the believer, midnight is a blessing, and to the non-believer, it's a nightmare. And it's an indication that freedom is about to take place. Acts 16, verses 25 and 26, around what? Around midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. You know, people pay attention to you when you're going through your midnight. They want to see how you react. And suddenly, yep, there's one of those suddenly. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake. And the prison was shaken to its foundation, and all the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Not just Paul and Silas, who were doing the praising, but every prisoner was affected by the praise going on at midnight. See, Paul and Silas are in the dungeon. They're in the lowest part of the prison. They're in stocks, hands and feet, chafing of the skin ripping away of the skin, meant not only to hold them in place, but to torture them while it happened, to inflict pain and injury. And in spite of this, they sang and praised God. If you're going through your midnight, stop whining and start worshiping. Stop complaining and start praising. Start praising. Start praising. Even if you don't know the words to the song, even if you don't know a song, the Spirit will give you one. Some of the greatest praise and worship that we have came out of spontaneous Holy Spirit praise from Wales and Azusa Street and other places. He'll put a song in your heart. He'll put a song in your lips. said they were praying and singing and the prisoners were listening. And the word translated in the Greek for listening means they were listening with pleasure as if it was beautiful music. And I know when the Holy Spirit takes over somebody's voice, it's beautiful. It's melodic. It is enticing. It makes you want to hear it and hear more. See, in the times of darkness, in the times of midnight, You, whether in your voice or in your words or in your actions, become the light that shines the brightest. We need that right now. We need people that shine. We need people that have faith. I'm not saying that you're foolish, and I'm not saying you disregard what the world is saying about this COVID-19. But I will tell you this, you have faith. You have strength. You know that the Lord your God is with you, and he will tell you, don't be foolish, don't be arrogant, don't test him. Don't say, I'm going to go here, but he doesn't say do that. If he says stay home, you stay home. If he says go minister to that person, you go minister to that person. But you first and foremost take your orders from him. 
I see too many presumptuous people in their arrogance go do things, and when it goes wrong, they go, what happened? Well, I'll tell you what happened. You were out there on your own. But here we have Paul and Silas giving us an example of midnight. It's bad. What they're going through could be bad. But it's not to them. Philippians 2, verses 14 and 16, this is what Paul said. Do all things without grumbling and fault-finding and complaining against God and questioning and doubting among yourselves that you may show yourselves to be blameless and guileless, innocent and uncontaminated, meaning uncontaminated by the world, children of God without blemish, faultless, unrebukable, in the midst of a crooked and wicked generation. I read this before, but now I'm applying it. Crooked, uh, crooked and wicked generation, a generation that is spiritually perverted and perverse. What does that mean? How can you be perverted and perverse? Well, that means you are now perverted, and you're going to be even more perverse as you go on. Among whom you, the children of God, the sons and daughters of God, the church, are seen as bright lights, stars, Beacons shining out clearly in a dark world. You're that you're that lighthouse that keeps people from crashing on the rocks. Holding out to it and offering to all men the word of life. So in the day of Messiah, I may have something of which exultantly to rejoice and glory in that I did not run my race in vain or spend my labor to no purpose. See, if you're going to be a light bearer to the world, you have to be blameless. And Paul is describing the world as the exact opposite of being a believer in Yeshua. On, on one hand, the world is turned away from the truth. It loves the darkness. It seeks the darkness. And on the other hand, it also exerts a corrupting influence and is opposed to the truth. See, it doesn't just turn away from the truth. It tries to corrupt the truth. It tries to stop the truth. Paul's saying shine. Shine as lights, as stars who penetrate the spiritual darkness of this fallen world. On Calvary, he took back spiritual authority. This is still a fallen world. He doesn't take back human authority and change that until he comes back the second time. But you know what? He left us here. He left us here to do that. He left us here to occupy. He left us here to push back. He left us here to make a difference. He left us here to bind the strong man. He left us here to set the captives free. He let us here to open the eyes of the blind, that the deaf would hear, the lame would walk, the, 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 they would dance. The dead would be raised. See, that, that's why he left us here. We're not just supposed to put our spiritual cushions on a spiritual cushion in a building. We're called to do something. We're called to stand. We're called to shine. We're called to love. We're called to take care of one another. John eight twelve. Yeshua spoke to them saying, 
I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of light. You begin to absorb, like I've talked about in all these seminars and in the book, you begin to absorb his glory. You're transformed from glory to glory. You begin to resonate the glory of God. You become a human capacitor. It stores inside of you. Because Matthew 5.14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. That's why he doesn't. Satan doesn't want your light. The enemy doesn't want your light. Kingdom of darkness, i.e. darkness, doesn't want your light. We've got to get to the place where we don't care what they want. Yeshua, the servant candle that lights the other candles, which is us, we become servants to a dark, dying world. Why? Because we have compassion for them as we were once like them. I find people with a religious spirit, a judgmental, critical, cold spirit, have forgotten where they came from. And they're also very afraid. Very afraid. Religious spirit is based on fear and control. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of the system. I'm not afraid of the world. I'm not afraid of the enemy. I do have a healthy fear of my father. I know he loves me, and he knows I love him. But I also understand who he is. I also understand that he can and will chastise. Been there, done that, got that shirt too. But we have to have compassion. We have to look at people in bondage and not judge them. Well, you did X, Y, Z, and you deserve to have this happen to you. I have no sympathy for you. How how can you say that? You have to have sympathy. They've been deceived. They've been manipulated. They've been destroyed. They are were like you once were. See, his light in us shines forth into a dark place into people's human depravity, to a place where people know. They know. I've been around through ministering to the homeless or the addicted or uh, the demonic or the, you know, I've, I've been around people that they know. They know they're lost. And they've just given up trying to be right, trying to be saved. They've given in to the darkness. They don't, they don't believe they can be redeemed. They don't believe they can be saved. And that's where your testimony, that's where my testimony, your testimony tells them, wait a second. Oh, yeah, you can be saved. Let me tell you what he did for me. Let me tell you where he found me. It's got to be out there, folks. You can't hide it. You can't hide it under that bushel of, well, I don't want to be rejected, and I don't want to be, I don't want the world to see who I really am. You got to live it. You got to walk it. You got to shine. I've said this a lot. Darkness has no power. It is simply the absence of light. And darkness cannot dispel light. But even the smallest light can dispel the greatest darkness. You know what we need right now? We need light. We need people that believe. We need people that have been tried and tested. 
We need people in whom he is their first and only love. We are the light of the world as long as we are reflecting Messiah. Not religion, not denominationalism, not systems, not man-made traditions, but reflecting him. The essential character of, of a citizen of the kingdom of God follows the metaphors of salt and light. It means we influence society. We influence those around us while we're shining a light onto things that are wrong. And that doesn't mean you have to preach or, or do just by your very presence you'll convict people. We need some of that too. We need people that are so steeped in the Word, steeped in relationship with Him, that it just comes out of their eyes, that they look at you, especially demon-possessed people, look at you and say, you've you got to stop looking at me, your eyes are hurting me. And then you keep looking. And then you tell them what that is that they're seeing. They're seeing the Holy Spirit, they're seeing the Lord. And if it makes them feel that way, there's something inside of them that doesn't like what's inside of you. And then you ask them this one question. Do you want to be free? Or do you want to stay the way you are? I've never heard anybody say, I want to be the way I am. I've heard them break. I've heard them cry. I've heard them scream out, I want to be free. But then they don't believe they can be free. But you can do it through, through a word, through a hug, through scripture, just by resonating and, and reflecting him. See, I called this Bible study Hidden and Forgotten because I thought it was going to be about Queen Esther and her being an example of the remnant. But as I began to start this, the Lord just went, nope, this is what we're going to do. And so here we are at the close, and I know it's early, but... I'm not going to take this to an hour just because to take it to an hour. But we can either be hidden and forgotten or we can be seen and remembered. You decide how he's going to use you. He offers to use you. He gives you the opportunity to be used by him for the kingdom of God. You decide whether you're going to be used. And if you, if you don't want to be used, there's no condemnation, but I have to ask why. I've literally had people tell me, look, I'm saved, I got my ticket, I'm going to heaven. I don't really care about all that other stuff. And, and I'm astounded when they say that. The very first person that said that to me is no longer a believer. He slid away because the Lord didn't answer a prayer. And I should have known that that comment told me that it wasn't in his heart. But here we are in the midst of, of a pandemic, of a crisis that I believe is leading us on a path to the end. I believe this is just a dry run. I don't think this is the one that's going to usher things in. I think the one behind it is. But be that as it may, I'm still going to be light in the darkness. I'm going to be a voice of hope. I'm going to be that person that's willing to stand in the gap, to put on the armor, and having done all, to stand. 
and by reference and body language be saying to the enemy that you don't get to them till you get past me. Knowing full well that he's with me, that the angels are with me, and that the warfare is won even before it's begun. You have to decide here, March 11th, 2020, are you going to be hidden and forgotten or are you going to be seen and remembered? Everything that happens from this point in, and every week it's the same, but every day it's the same. Everything that happens is by your choice. Whether you're going to lay down, crawl up, crawl up in a ball and just want to die, or you're going to shake it off, stand up and say no more. I am a child of the living God. I've been bought with the price. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life by his blood. I am redeemed. I am his son or his daughter. Father, I just come to you. We come to you as your children. We come to you together. We touch and we agree. We come to you as a family. We ask you through your Holy Spirit to search us. X-ray us, spiritually X-ray us. Find areas of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our spirit that aren't right with you, that we're out of order, we're out of tune. We're not in harmony with you. Shine your light upon it so that we can fix it, so we can allow you to help us to fix it. And Lord, in the process, I'm, I'm going to be a little greedy here and ask that you even heal us physically, mentally. Uh, you heal us in body, soul, and spirit, that you fix us, fix us from what the world has done to us, what we've done to ourselves, what ancestry and all this. Lord, we want to get back to our divine design. We want to serve you without hindrance. We want to be the best that we can be to serve you to the fullest. We want to see you. We want the kingdom of God to come. We want to see the four square city. We know some bad things have to happen before that, but that's okay. Because on the other side of it is you. Right now, shine on us so that we can absorb your glory. We can absorb your love for the lost right now. You're putting into our minds people that need to be prayed for, that need to be interceded for, that need to be called into the kingdom. It may take a while, it may take a year, 10 years, maybe take 20 years, but they will come in. You'll keep claiming, you'll give it to us, Lord, because you're as good as your word, and we do that right now. Sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, husbands and wives, people that we know, people that we care about. We intercede for them. We tell the devil, get their hands off of them. We shine the light into their darkness so they can follow that light home. Father, right now, reignite the passion. Reignite the, the lamp some have allowed to go out. Let us walk. Let us walk in you. Let us walk in your name. Walk in your power. Let us change this world. Shake it one last time before you come back. Lord, this is my passion. This is my heart cry. You're my passion and my heart cry. To live out Luke 4, 18, to be who you've called me to be. And I pray that for my brothers and sisters, that they be who they've been called to be.
maybe a praise instrument, maybe an instrument of mercy, maybe an instrument of healing, maybe just somebody to be a comforter or a supporter. Maybe it's provision. I don't know what their purpose is, Lord. I just know what mine is. We desire you. We crave you. And I just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, let this sink in. Maybe you have to listen to it again. If there's somebody you think needs to hear it, share it. Let's start sharing these things. Let's get the word out. Let's begin to expand the family. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grun. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. This weekend at Kohl's, take an extra 15% off. Save on men's and women's denim. Get Under Armour shoes for the family, $59.99 and under. And pick up a Power XL air fryer, just $84.99. Plus, take an extra $10 off your back-to-school purchase of $50 or more. Plus, store drive up. And get a little more for your wallet with Kohl's Cash. Shop Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles, 15% off with promo code Notebook and August 16th. Under Armour offers and coupons do not apply. 10 off 50 with promo code BTS10 and August 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details.